welcome to the Western Washington University Social Distance Warriors podcast. We are back in action. It is fall quarter 2020. I feel like we have to uh, timestamp ourselves that it is October um, of 2020 since the world is so rapidly changing day to day. Um, Welcome. So I'm Liz Stewart. I'm the Violence Prevention and Outreach Specialist here at Western. And I'll let um, my co-host Brandon introduce himself. And we have a couple of special guests today. Hi, uh, thank you, Liz. Yeah, my name is Brandon Joseph. Um, I use he, him, his pronouns, and I'm the Men's Resiliency uh, Program Coordinator. And I'm super happy to be here with our guests today. Um, kicking off fall 2020. Um, I know we have advanced in time, although the world is still at an unstable state. So um, really glad to be here and catch up and try to, um, you know, just, just talk about where we are and what we're doing on our campus to kind of spread the word and um, help our students understand what we can do to help them get through uh, this quarter and this year, because we know it's certainly gonna be um, different, difficult and unprecedented. And so I'm very glad to, to be here with you also. Great to see you, Brandon. And to be on this journey again, uh, we didn't do any recording over the summer, so it's really fun to be back. So here on our podcast, we are making connections and engaging with the DubDub community in a conversation about wellness and resilience. Um, what better way to kick off this academic year than to invite Dr. Sarah Godoy, from, who is the new director of the um, Counseling Center, and Dr. Cicelina Grosher Ledbetter, the Director of Counseling Health and Wellness. I might not have gotten your titles right, but I will allow you to introduce yourselves. Um, you know, I use she, her pronouns. I forgot to say that also. I'm Liz, so share your name, your pronouns, um, and then uh, your role here at Western. And um, yeah, for our check-in today, how would you describe this current context that we're in? Um, so we'll start with uh, Sarah. Go ahead. Sure. Hello. Uh, so I am Dr. Sarah Godoy, and I am the new director of the Counseling Center. And I am just so excited to be joining the Western community. <laughs> I, I know that I've said this a lot over the past <laughs> month or so, but it remains true. I'm super pumped. How would I describe things right now? A few choice words come to mind, but I'm going to try to... Um, <laughs> be appropriate here. I, I believe that the word cacophony was thrown out before, and I'm just going to go ahead and borrow that. Things feel very loud. They feel very messy. Um, my hope is that from that, though, things will start to make a little bit more sense, and it won't be so jarring to the senses. Yeah. All right. And so... Thank you, Sarah. I am Cislina Grosser Ledbetter, Executive Director of Counseling Health and Wellness. I use she, her. And I am excited to be invited back twice. Yo, yo. I'm our excited. first return guest. Our first, first return returning, guest. Right? So this is this is good. Um, I must have said something right the first time. So you invited me back, right? My grandmother always said, you know, always say the right thing so your guests will invite you back. So I'm, how would I describe this time? Oh my goodness, this is very um, surreal for me. Um, it is highly, highly emotional. Um, it feels 
a little destabilizing. Um, and I think that it, it is, it also feels like a really pregnant pause, like this huge pause, almost as if we're waiting for something to happen and it's happening at the same time. So it's very kind of weird, kind of uh, is how I'm feeling right now. Just so many other words I could use, but won't. Um, so yeah, so that's how I'm feeling. But I am so excited to be here. I'm excited to be at Western and I'm super duper excited to have Sarah on our team because Sarah is a rock star, even though she's a Mac Thank user. You. Period. We'll say <gasps> more about that later. I feel so personally attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also realizing I was so excited to say the word cacophony that I neglected to share my pronouns, which are she, her. <laughs> I love a good vocab word. I know. I know. I know. I'm gonna, I'm I was really Google. impressed with that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yes, we are in academic spaces here, aren't we? Yes, yeah. we are. We are. Um, Macs or PCs, the issue that might divide us um, in the counseling, health, and wellness department. <laughs> it's <That's> true. <laughs> yeah, I'm a PC user. Well, I'm, you know, I'm you know I think we're 50 50 in this group because I'm a PC user too. Oh, and wow. I know Brandon's got his Mac going on. So, yeah, they think they're superior. All right. A couple other um, kind of. Yeah, that, that leads us into, I think, an important <laughs> segment of our day, which is the this or that questions. Um, so I'll start with you, Sarah, dog or cat? Cat. And Cecilia? Dog. Okay, Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Netflix. Brandon, what do you think? I'm a Netflix person as well. Okay. All right. So that's the issue that unites us, y'all. Yes. Oh, are you too? Net Netflix you for life. Okay. I want to qualify my cat answer that I love all animals, but I have cats currently. Okay. okay. Fair enough. Fair so enough. Your, you actions, know, your actions say cat. My actions say cat, but yeah, but it depends on the context. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, these questions don't really allow for a lot of complexity. That's sort of why I like them. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I'm, I'm not going to overcomplicate it. <laughs> All right, we'll do maybe three more. Ice cream or snow cone? Ice cream. Ice cream. Definitely 100% ice cream on my end. Yeah. Uh, how about music or podcasts when you're going on a walk or a hike? Ooh. Podcast. Goodness, YouTube. <laughs> no. <laughs> you like snow cone. I want a snow I cone. That wasn't one of the options, right? Snow cone. <laughs> you can forage your own path. Right, exactly. Yes, you can. Yes, yeah, you can. I'm so I'm not a huge consumer of podcasts, mm -hmm. ironically. Um, but I am a huge consumer when I'm walking of like I like like brain information, medical stuff. And I listen to that when I'm walking mm -hmm. not so much music if i'm in the gym music mm -hmm. yeah but walking yeah 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 i love audiobooks too I'm me too that's audiobooks. nice too yeah. me too um all right here's a real personal one east coast or west coast Oh boy. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh boy. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Oh, this, is, this is an honest space. I think this I'm an, an honest East Coaster. Space. I really think I'm an East Coaster. Yeah. To the core. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I do like the West Coast. 
I yeah. think I'm an East Coaster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm an East Coaster who is loving the West Coast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I will never not be a New Yorker at heart. Me mm-hmm. too. So we should tell them the story. Yeah, I, I have apparently. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm, we're I'm, on the edge of our seats right now. <laughs> yes, you should. <laughs> yes, pause. Um, well, un- unbeknownst to even myself, I have been trying to follow Cislina around the country. So we're both from New York State. I was actually born just a little bit north of, of where she is from. I was mm-hmm. born in Tarrytown, New York. Yeah. Yeah. Get out of here. Right. Yeah. I was born in Mount Kisco. Oh, my goodness. Okay. What? Okay. So All the, the West Coasters are Google speaker. mapping right now. I know. Exactly. We're like Mount Shimuni and Vizzleboos. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we both came here from Washington DC from one Washington to the other to the other right so exactly yeah I think I'm gonna start a blog called a tale of two Washington's I love it right subscribe yes <laughs> hashtag <laughs> hashtag hashtag tale of two w Washington. to w yes <laughs> <laughs> that might mean something different but yes I think Liz yeah. is on mute yeah you muted Liz mm-hmm Thanks. I was asking Brandon <laughs> if he's East Coast, West Coast. Man, that's a tough one. So I grew up in Alaska for 20 years, so can't get much more West Coast than that. Yeah. But having spent time on the East Coast, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, I'm going to have to say East Coast right now. Ooh, yeah. all right. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm West Coast, born and raised California, but I have a lot of roots in the No Coast, the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So the no coast. Okay. The no coast. Um, <laughs> so I also one. have to give a little shout out to Indiana, Ohio, Wisconsin. Okay. That's I, I lived there. in the mitten for a year. So All I do right. also have some Midwest love. Awesome. Oh, I love okay. my Michigander. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, let's take a brief pause so we can check in with some of our WW resources. Hi Vikings, Rachel here. Want to stay informed and updated on wellness at Western? Here's three ways to connect. Follow at BeWellWW, that's B-E-W-E-L-L-W-W-U on Instagram. Subscribe to the Campus Well app for articles and information about health and wellness and sign up for weekly Be Well newsletters. You can do both of these things by scrolling to the bottom of the Prevention Wellness website at pws.ww.edu. Thanks so much, and let's get back to the podcast. All right, well, we want to spend some time talking about um, what's happening with the Counseling Center and Counseling Health and Wellness in general here at Western Mm -hmm. during fall quarter. Um, So we have some questions from students um, yeah, so we'll just kind of shoot those off and, and y'all can help us get some information out to our community. Um, Brandon, you want to share the first question from, uh, one of our, one of our students? So as both of you being relatively new to Western, um, what do you like most about, uh, Bellingham and Western Washington University thus far? 
Um, and what are you looking forward to most about this upcoming um, fall quarter and entire academic year? Who's on first? Okay. How about you go first? I'll go first. <clears throat> so I really like the, it almost feels like a Southern state. If you haven't been down South, you wouldn't know what that means, but everybody's super polite and they're very nice. Um, that's not necessary, not necessarily something that is defined, um, that defines the East Coast. Um, so I really appreciate people actually speaking to you um, while you're walking, um, talking to you, um, just, just seriously engaged and curious about who you are. I also like the landscape. It's just beautiful here. It's got to be among the top 10 most beautiful places to live in the country because Bellingham is absolutely beautiful. Uh, I, I, when I first moved here, I heard that they used to call it, or they, they do call it the Bellingham bubble. And I didn't quite get it, but I'm starting to get it more. After a year under my belt, I'm starting to really get why they call it the Bellingham bubble. Um, and so I, you know, I, I really like it here. And I think that it's, um, um, I think it's an amazing place to live. It's just so much more calm. And, you know, when you're kind of activated, you can go out there and look at a mountain. And it just has a way of decompressing you, if you allow it. So for this upcoming year, I am looking forward to this election cycle being at, at coming to an end. The impact that it's having on our community and our students, um, I think, is, is very triggering in ways that they're not even able to verbalize. So I'm looking forward to that being over. I'm looking forward to how COVID is stretching us and challenging us to think about new ways of engaging with these digital natives. Um, and so for us, it's this huge, I mean, everybody was like, oh, we're gonna pivot, we're gonna go digital. And they're just like, you know, we like the community on campus, but this, it's, it's for them, they understand um, this social context of what it means to interface with a screen um, daily and for hours at a time. And I think it's tough, um, but I'm looking forward to uh, being challenged anything about new ways of serving students. I have to echo that this is just a beautiful part of the world to be living yeah. in. So I have loved that when I'm just driving around or walking around, I can look over and say, Sup Mountain, you're a mountain. <laughs> right. That is completely new to me. <laughs> wow. I love it. And, and it's not getting old anytime soon. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a trail runner. I love being in the dirt. <laughs> I love being surrounded by trees. So this has just been incredible to be able to explore the area and I think also just feel really connected to the environment and the mm. planet in a way that can feel a little bit more difficult to do when you're in a heavily urban area as I've been for the past decade plus. So I think just natural surroundings have, have, won me over 100% um, without question. <laughs> and people are, are rather friendly. I know I was warned about the Seattle freeze extending, <laughs> extending up this way. But I, I think that maybe one thing that COVID has taught us is to really cherish 
communication and to cherish relationships and connections. So maybe it's a vibe that I've been putting out, but I, I think people are just craving connection. Yeah. I hope that that continues post pandemic. That would, yeah. that would be lovely, but I'm looking forward this year to continuing, continuing to learn about how we can use technology to improve our services, uh, getting creative with using technology to deepen relationships. Mm -hmm. In so many ways, this is open doors that I think people have been afraid to open. They're flung wide open. We're not closing them anytime soon. So I'm, I'm excited to see the opportunities here. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also just really looking forward to the day that everyone is back on campus because part of why I love working in higher ed is the student presence and building those relationships. And so I've definitely been missing that hardcore in, in my first month or so here. Um, so I'm yeah, looking totally forward to having that too. energy back on, yeah. on campus. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. I totally miss the students too. I get that. Yeah. Like we can vibe off their energy, right? They're so Absolutely. amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that's always been my, my favorite part of the job, just being yeah. able to have those like informal conversations and informal yeah. connections. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. I think everything I'm learning lately, I'm learning from students or younger people, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Even mm -hmm. including my kids. Mm -hmm. They're my greatest teachers now, officially. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I look forward to being in person for things like that, too. I, I do have opportunities to connect with students right now, uh, mentoring the peer health educators um, for the CASAS program. Um, but, you know, you just can't replace that personal energy that happens when you're in a shared physical space. Um, I've been surprised at how you can build connections through, um, you know, things like Zoom, et cetera, and, you know, the creative ways that folks have come up with yeah. doing that and building mm -hmm. connection um, and having fun with it. But, you know, it's just kind of like when I'm watching, um, you know, football or whatever, it's like, you know, those athletes that are out on the field, it's different when they have 40,000 people screaming, um, you know, when the 12th man is actually there versus oh, yeah. <laughs> this like funny fake um, <laughs> audio that someone is exactly. pressing a button and making a crowd sound is just not, it just doesn't hit the same. So yeah, <laughs> agreed. Different. Yeah. Yeah. It's I would rough. agree too. I'm, I'm a natural introvert. Like I like to be amongst the people, you know, yeah. so I'll be out, but I don't need to necessarily interact with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, and so really missing just that influx of like 16,000 people coming back to the campus and just the buzz that that creates. Um, it's not the same. So, yeah, we miss you students. Oh my Thank gosh. You. Yes. Um, so let's, let's try another question from one of our students. Um, let's see. How about June? who's a biology and world and global studies, some kind of major, double major. Oh my gosh, these brilliant young people combining <laughs> um, these interests that are gonna just really impact our world. June mm -hmm. asked, what resources are there for trans and gender non-conforming students in the counseling center? Um, and then a second separate question, how are students of color given space within the counseling health and wellness program. So we'll start with um, the resources for trans and gender non-conforming students. Uh, what's happening and what kinds of resources are there specifically for those students with those identities? 
Yeah, love those questions. We we can offer a lot. Um, so currently on Wednesday afternoons, we at the Counseling Center will be offering a Queer Connections Care Space, and this is a continuation of what has been offered in the past. And so we're really excited to get to do that via Zoom because again, technology should not be feared. <laughs> right, that's right. So <laughs> queer connections will, mm. will occur. Um, <laughs> we'll also be continuing queer yoga this quarter. I think that has been a fan favorite and just love the idea of being able to think of wellness as something that also happens in our bodies. That's not just labeling emotion. That's right. That. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's important too. But it is yeah. important. I'm joining. I'm going <laughs> to join queer yoga. Yes. I think everyone should be on board for queer yep. yoga. Mm -hmm. um, specifically for trans and gender nonconforming students, I want to yeah. throw out there that we are able to write letters if you are a student who is perhaps undergoing the process of gender affirming surgery. We do have clinicians on staff who have that expertise and are familiar and follow the WPATH standards for care. So we can do that. We can help you out with that. Um, though not under the umbrella of the Counseling Center, the Student Health Center can continue hormone prescriptions. And I learned that we also have a speech and language clinic that can mm -hmm. offer voice therapy. And I, I just think that's phenomenal. So there are a few ways to get some, some trans and, and gender nonconforming specific care with us. For students of color, uh, I, I first, you know, before diving into this conversation, I, I have to acknowledge that as a whole, the field of mental health has really failed BIPOC communities. Um, we just have to name that off the bat. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to yeah. tiptoe. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to tiptoe around it. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's a really vicious history there that that we need to acknowledge and we need to face it. Um, for too long, we have defined healing in terms of individual healing. We have used very white definitions of healing mm -hmm. and of pain. And we, we need to stop that. You know, I am like full stop hitting the brakes on that. We need to fix this. Um, it might work for, for some students, but it's definitely not a holistic model of healing. Yeah. So this year, this quarter, we have launched a multiple pathways to healing model. And this is the counseling center's way of saying that wellness is a collective responsibility and that therapists shouldn't be the gatekeepers to mental health, that this is something that the entire university has to be on board with and it can't just happen in one office. Yes. Mm -hmm. Moving forward. So, whew, yeah, that feels great to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and moving forward, we're, we're really going to be expanding our, our de definition of healing practices. So starting this quarter, uh, although we won't have our in-person drop-in services uh, since we are fully remote at this point, we do have same-day rapid access phone consultations. And so that's a way for a student to get same-day support, like within potentially a few minutes you're connecting with a counselor. And I just think that is really important when you're in need and just need to chat with someone pretty, pretty quickly. Um, we're also creating BIPOC-specific services, much like we've already done for our queer and trans students. So we have a BIPOC care package that will be live on our website, and there are lots of great resources in there. 
Sarah, I'm wondering if for our folks that maybe don't know what BIPOC means, could you share what that means? Absolutely. Yes, this was actually a big discussion on our staff this morning, um, talking about the language we use when we're talking about race and ethnicity. It was very fascinating. So BIPOC stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. And this is just one of the ways that we are using to talk about folks who are not white. Um, it is a way to elevate in particular the experiences of Black and Indigenous folks who have traditionally and typically been left out of very important conversations. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm, what I'm talking about when I say BIPOC. Okay. Cool. Great. Thank you so much. Um, absolutely. In that vein, <laughs> in addition <laughs> to our BIPOC care package, we are also offering BIPOC meditation spaces, uh, BIPOC yoga, so just lots of really good ways to um, tend, tend to the needs that I, I think our, our students are facing right now. Just a lot of healing that incorporates body movement and giving space to breathe. Mm -hmm. And where could folks um, go to find out how to get engaged with those things? The best way to stay up to date is to visit the Counseling Center website, and that's counseling.ww.edu. You can also follow the Be Well WW Instagram account, which has lots of fun Yay. tips and info there. <laughs> and the other, I just want to, I don't know if, if you mentioned this, because um, I kind of, kind of, uh, went out for a second, but we also got funding to have a black counselor, to fund a black counselor. And so nice. we're so excited to be able to get um, some donations to fund a black counselor so that students can now, I think we have 322 students registered for fall 2020. And they deserve to see someone that looks like them when they go they to the do. counseling center. Absolutely. And yes. so, you know, I have shared more than once that Black bodies are hurting. Mm -hmm. And so um, it just feels really good when they have someone to talk to that looks like them that might be able to, to understand mm -hmm. with, without having to explain yes. yeah. what they're going through. Mm -hmm. yeah, can, can we uh, also just follow up on that comment, you know, when you're mentioning... Um, the experiences of, of the black community right now, I think it's important that we just kind of dive in, you know, as Sarah just named mm -hmm. um, some of the experiences in, in mental health. And so I just love to hear your all's perspectives on, you know, the most recent um, civil unrest and racial trauma experienced specifically by the black community um, and what we're doing as a department. Um, I know we kind of just touched on that, but we never actually mm -hmm. dove into just your all's thoughts and perspectives. And I think it's important that students understand where our leaders are, are coming from. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I guess from, if I think about all of the trauma that we've gone through in the past six months, what it feels like to me is that America has the front row seat to trauma and pain that's been going on for generations. It's exacerbated now because the cameras are on. And it hurts more because everybody's looking. And so it's one, it's almost like when someone dies in your family, you feel that pain. But the moment they reach out and try to comfort you, it all comes down, right? Because you really you're able to release it. And so it, it kind of feels like that. It feels like we're walking around naked and raw. Um, and our black bodies are 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 really hurting. 
Um, and so it is for, for like 400 years mm -hmm. of, of pain and trauma and giving birth to trauma over and over again, generations um, that come through a white, and a white supremacist uh, society, um, a, a racist society, and one that really struggles to call it out. And one of the things that I think is so important is um, kind of hearkening back to Sarah's comment that you can't really heal what you're not willing to acknowledge. Mm. And I think that part of what yeah. white America is struggling with now is just saying the words of white supremacy mm -hmm. or racism, you know, and that includes our leaders in higher education. You've got to be able to say we have a racist institution before mm -hmm. you can address that it's hiding in structural inequities that are built within the institution to hold mm -hmm. certain categories of people back. Um, we are, you know, certainly we are, work, we are living, breathing, and working and playing on stolen land. Mm -hmm. And we don't talk about that. That's as important as saying that the eight minutes and 46 seconds was way too long. All of it is traumatic. All of it is violent. And, um, and I think we are having a collective mourning right now. We are mourning um, the, 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 the trauma that we have just, um, that has been exposed, because this is not like new for us. And that's really hard to get people to see. It's, this is like going on yeah. for generations, but yeah. now it just feels so viscerally raw, mm -hmm. um, that it's, it's, um, it's come to a point where there's no turning back. And, and I think that is such an important point, Cislina. None of this is new. None of this is new. This has been happening every single day. It just hasn't been in the mainstream media. That's right. And I, I think that has also been challenging. I've been part of, of conversations with some, some very well-meaning white folks who are shocked, <laughs> who are shocked that these things have been going on. And, and it's, it's difficult to hear because I think as we see people try to rise to the occasion and confront racism and commit to being anti-racist, we're also exposing just the, the level of I want to say cluelessness and that sounds like a very judgmental word but I'm going to use it anyway yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I, I think word. we're I think we're exposing how clueless a lot of a lot of people have been around this that there has been such a gap in acknowledging the realities mm -hmm. of what it is like to be black in America Mm -hmm. um, and, and even with that, I should say what it's like to be Black in the United States, because the United States is not America. We have the Americas. <laughs> so yeah. this is, uh, you know, again, to bring, to bring in the cacophony, this is such a deeply painful time. Mm -hmm. um, and I wish that the circumstances that are now being broadcast could just never happen again. And that's wholly unrealistic at this point. You know, racism yeah. exists without question. Mm -hmm. and, and to me, the question is not, you know, is higher ed racist or are, you know, are people within higher ed racist? Mm -hmm. The answer is unquestionably yes, these systems mm -hmm. are racist. Let's, right. not, let's not 
debate the yes or the no, that the, really the conversation is around in what ways have we been racist and, and to move the conversation into dismantling that. And, you know, from, from my role as a psychologist and as the director of the counseling center, I have to confront the, the really horrible realities of mental health. I also need to, to look at the larger systems in place and figure out what can we do to start fixing some of this with the acknowledgement that it should have been fixed a long time ago. Right. You know, the, right. The, these have been, this has been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and if I could just throw a resource out there too, there's a, a really good study that was done. Um, it's by Robert Lee and Tristan, I'm gonna get the name wrong, but I think it's Atone. Um, and it's called Land Grab Universities. And so generally we have the, we've heard the term land grant institutions, um, but what they looked at is the the land, as you mentioned, Cicelina, and as we acknowledge at various events on our campus, right, using these land acknowledgements. Um, but this research project essentially looked at the institutions that actually were um, benef- beneficial, benefited from these land grant, in- these land grants, but mm. they were actually um, taken through treaties right. from indigenous right. peoples. Right. And so right. yeah. uh, it's a really powerful, powerful study. Um, it's through the high country news. So if you Google that land grab universities, it's a really good resource. That's yeah. kind of new. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, just across the board, indigenous people, black people are just so tired of pronouncements and proclamations and are ready to hear what are you going to do about it? Right. We what are the action, action steps? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What are the action steps and what resources are you going to put behind it? Mm-hmm. You know, you say things like reparations and people laugh. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that, you know, my ancestors built this country. Yeah. And some of the places that they built, because, you know, I, I know very specifically about some of the work that they've done are monuments to this, to, to certain cities mm-hmm. that we all enjoy. Um, and so I just think we've got a long way to go in this country to first admit mm-hmm. um, how vitriolic we have been to black yeah. people and indigenous people. Um, it, it is it is not um, it is a storied history, and until we acknowledge that and are ready to do something about it, I think we're just going to continue to um, go through this vicious, vicious cycle. But it feels to me like there's no turning back. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the future is going to look like, and I don't know how many more people have to die. But there is, it just feels like we are beyond the point of of return. Yeah. Yeah. Cosine. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for, um, yeah, just for your commitment to anti-racism and uh, for naming so directly um, the challenges that we face as um, and I want to say American institution, but now I'm like, can I call it American institution? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I'm like, American. wait, what? No, no, US I'm all American. Like, <laughs> I'm really turned around because I'm like, well, we have, most people call it America. Um, there <laughs> to be different, uh, Liz. <laughs> yeah, um, and I'm and I am curious. You know, what is that? What is that process, or what are those action steps right now that the university is taking? You know, I mean, I see little bits coming out on um, emails and things, but you know, how are we engaging 
the voices of our students, um, you know, without taxing them and, mm -hmm. you know, asking just our BIPOC students to do mm -hmm. all this extra labor, you know? Right. So I'm, I'm just curious about how, how do we move forward and how do we um, just navigate this time right now with action um, mm -hmm. on top of that heavy emotional process and pain mm -hmm. and really not just ripping a bandaid off, but like digging into the wound and all of that. Right. So yeah. I don't have yeah. an answer, but I'm just, I'm curious about how. Yeah. I think one like. of the, one of the things that I think about is if, if we think about structural inequity, um, mm -hmm. we have to look at all of, we have to simply audit all of our structures and think mm -hmm. about what it is that we have in place that have, which policies and practices do we have in place mm -hmm. as an institution that prohibit us from doing the kinds of things that we say we want to do. Mm -hmm. Like we want to recruit people of color or, or, or BIPOC, but we hire mostly from inside. Mm -hmm. um, there are all types of policies and practices that are built in that prohibit us from doing the types of things that we say on paper that we want to do. I think we have to, from a mental health perspective, we have to acknowledge that mental health is a priority and that there is no health without mental health. Mm -hmm. um, there is also, um, there has to be an acknowledgement that there are dis economic disparities, educational disparities, um, and, and in order to be equitable, we, we, cannot, we cannot constantly use equity, but, but sell equality. And I think that is kind of what we're doing when we have these blanket policies that everyone has to abide. And, and, and historically, you think of it as the SAT, right? This is the, this is the great equalizer. Everybody takes this, this, this test that we know is completely biased mm -hmm. and racist. Right. And so, but institutions of higher education are exactly there. They're right there. They are just in 2020 at the point where they're like, oh my goodness, COVID has, for, COVID has forced us to think that, to, make, to come to the recognition, that's their get out of jail card, they already knew it, mm -hmm. that the SAT was a racist bias instrument. Why are you using it? You already know, you're a scientist, you're, you, should, you should be better than that, right? The other thing I think is, <clears throat> is that <clears throat> a colleague of mine, and her name is Wilhelmina Rubin Cook. She worked with me at my last institution. She was one of the first five students in 1963 to integrate Duke University. She passed October, 2019. Mm. I took a look at the demands that that five group of students mm. made to Duke University in, 20, in 1963. Those demands look exactly like the demands that the Black Student Union and other Black um, institutions, particularly right here at Western, have put forth. Yeah. Yet, we sit around the table and have conversations like, well, we're really, we're really not sure about what to do. Yeah. And we're not, mm -hmm. and, okay, so. There's a map. Yeah. Okay. We've been so. told. <laughs> We've yeah. already been told what to do. Right, right. Yeah. And, and so, so we can begin with a conversation mm -hmm. about acknowledging that I hear you and I really want to understand how I can support you and what do I need to do. This is not a zero-sum game, mm -hmm. right? So I win doesn't mean you lose. We can all win, but you are going to have to give something up. 
right? There's going to be, and that is the problem. White people do not want to give something up mm -hmm. because essentially that that's what will, will happen. And so I think institutions of higher education are not exempt from all of those um, all of those challenges, but we are going to have to be holistic in our approach. We're going to have to, I mean, fortunately here we have enrollment management combined with um, student um, services, but it will have to be, we are going to have to stop looking at student development and student wellness as a student issue only. It is not. It is also, the, the, the racism is also embedded in our academic policies. Is they're embedded in our administrative policies. They're embedded in our operations and in our faculty. And we're gonna have to have conversations about all of those things as institutions in order to really address it. It's gonna have to be holistic or else it'll yep. be piecemeal. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I, I think a big piece of that too is being transparent about yeah. the process. I think when we're talking about students who are coming from communities that have been traditionally oppressed, abused, marginalized. It's not okay to say, just trust me, just be patient, change yeah. is coming. No, no, let's not, let's not do that. But it, it is really unsafe to have to wonder if the administrator in front of you, the professor in front of you, the counselor in front of you, is a force of oppression. No one should have to question that. Um, and yet so many people do. So let's make it a lot clearer about what we're doing and where we stand. Mm -hmm. um, on the Counseling Center and something that we will be rolling out in the coming weeks is essentially going through some of the points that have been raised by various student organizations and explaining our timeline on that and just saying, yep, heard you because you've already shared, you know, you don't need to tell us again. Um, we're listening and right. here's how we're taking action because I, you know, dialogue is so important and listening to each other is crucial and we cannot pause there. That's and right. I, I think where, where we're really coming at is we need to act. The time has come to That's do right. stuff because we already should have been doing it. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. I agree. And I just wanted to add that built spaces is also a part of that. When you look around this mm -hmm. campus, mm -hmm. if you don't have a sense of belonging, mm -hmm. then it's quite clear to you that you, you happen to be here, but you may not really belong here. Right. So we have to be really thoughtful about how we create spaces. Yeah. Um, and accessibility for, um, oh, absolutely. you know, these different services is kind of what this is a piece of what we're talking about, right? When we're asking about what do we offer specifically to students of color? What do we offer specifically yeah. for yeah. trans students? You know, how are our spaces set up to be accessible for our students who have disabilities? You know, yeah. how, do we, um, how do we make this important healing, you That's know, right. work that you all are doing um, accessible to each person with the many varied identities that they hold? Mm -hmm. um, and that that will impact the way that our um, yeah our structures are. That's right. Are and our students our students aren't shy, and so mm -hmm. I'm hoping that if they're hearing this um, podcast, yeah. that they would consider reaching out to the counseling center and give yes. us ideas about the kinds of things that you want to see. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, because otherwise, 
we are sitting around trying to figure things out. And I think mm -hmm. the student voice is so important. We need your buy-in, we need your mm -hmm. support, we need your voice, and we need you to also help us remain accountable. Mm -hmm. yeah. And who or how would students um, connect to, to do that, to offer you know, their ideas or suggestions? Is there a, a structure for that or a person for that or a, a way to do that? <laughs> so there, there are a few possible avenues. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is just participating in some of our community check-in spaces. Um, mm -hmm. that, that might be an opportunity to raise some observations, um, share some ideas of how we can improve and grow. Mm -hmm. I'm very open to that. So if mm -hmm. something is not happening that you think should, tell mm -hmm. me, you know, mm -hmm. I, I want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Something that my staff and I were just talking about this morning also was the possibility of creating a student advisory board and having mm -hmm. that be, mm -hmm. you know, compensated positions that students mm -hmm. can apply for and be a part of and really help shape our particular services. I think that's a great way to have consistent student input um, and also for students to see what goes on behind the scenes because a lot goes on behind the scenes and I think unless you're you're actually in some of these higher ed settings you wouldn't know about it so mm -hmm. you know I, I'm I'm very open to to brainstorming more ways to to keep that communication really fluid and open cool thank you Sarah um, now let's take a quick break and hear more from prevention and wellness services Prevention and Wellness Services helps promote sexual health at Western by making condoms, lube, dental dams, safer sex info, and tips for increasing your sexual pleasure freely available to all Western Washington University students. If you would like to order a sexual health pleasure package to be mailed to your home, go to pws.wwu.edu and click on the Sexual Health tab to submit a request form, and we will send one your way. Well, we are back and we want to kind of start getting into some more information from y'all about like what are the services and opportunities that are being offered right now to Western. Um, Cecilia, we'll talk, start with you yeah. related to the health center. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Any news or offerings that we can make sure our students know about? So I can share with you that we've been working really hard to keep pace with all legit the changes that have gone on in the public health guidance. Um, and um, we, our student health center, our doctors, our nurse practitioners, our nurse, nursing staff, all of them have just been phenomenal. Um, so they're, they're ready, they're prepared. We've got several things that are going on right now. One is a marketing campaign. And so follow us on Be Well, that is one. If you have been, unless you're living on our rock, then you know to wash your hands, <laughs> wear a mask, and watch your distance. The three W's. And so um, we are certainly pushing that campaign. And then Hunter Stoom from the AS has been developing with his team in IRL, COVID IRL, COVID in real life, um, to talk about the services um, that are for students and by students, about students. And so that's what that campaign is about. Uh, in terms of testing and surveillance, we are doing testing on campus at Fraser Hall this quarter, and we're testing about 300 students a day. Um, testing Great. is free to all students. So 
don't worry about you know whether or not it's covered it is covered as of this taping there were about 500 outstanding students who have not been tested so if you're one of those please go over and get tested you are supposed to be tested and cleared before you go to class and so we want to make sure that you um, you do that. There's also a symptom attestation that we're asking all students to do every morning um, before they come to campus or afternoon before they come to campus. And when they do their symptom attestation, they're going to get a green badge on their phone with the current date, with the date of the um, their next test is due, and um, the date and, and and the date that they did the attestation. So there'll be a couple of dates on the on their badge. And so we're just asking students to bear with us. We've been doing a lot of of, of shifting and we've got a thousand, just over a thousand students in the residence halls. We've got about an additional 900 on campus and hopefully the other uh, 14,000 or 13,000 of you out there are are also tuned in and you're looking forward to what is to come should you decide uh, to come back during a time when we are still having students on campus. We don't know what the winter quarter will bring because we're still preparing and planning and watching um, how this intelligent virus is going to move. But rest assured, we will be following the science and making decisions in the best interest of um, your health. Um, you know, before we even think about weighing the cost for the institution, we are prioritizing your health. So you should know that um, as Sabah makes these very weighty decisions, he is thinking about every one of you. That's it. So just to clarify, Cicelina, yeah. there is no in-person like student health center appointments or anything? Yes, there are. There are? Okay. I'm glad. There I are can, you, can you touch on that? So if a, if a student is interested in seeing a doctor, so we've got athletes, you know, they're going to be scuffed up heels and broken limbs and all the other kinds of things that students get into um, around the, uh, around Bellingham. And so for visits like that, you would simply call the student health center and tell them um, that you would like a visit, an in-person visit. You will get, an, an, unless it's an urgent um, call, you will get a um, televisit, telemedicine. And then they will screen you. You'll do the COVID screening, of course, and then you'll have an in-person visit. Of course, if it's, if it's an emergency, you of course will go to the emergency room, but for, for a visit that the Student Health Center, you know, an, an, an urgent visit or if you fall or whatever, we're still open for those visits. Yeah. Cool, thank you. Yep. It. Thank you so much, Cecilia. Yeah, go ahead, Sarah. Sure. Um, so for the Counseling Center, I've actually been pretty impressed with, with my team. Um, it seems that we are doing more outreach and more groups than ever. So our transition to remote services uh, has, I think, been pretty smooth and certainly for fall quarter. I think it's, it's going pretty well so far. So students can reach us via phone for phone consultations, and that's open to all students. You do not have to be located in Washington State to do a phone consultation with us. And that's, yeah, big that's thumbs up news. there. That's great news. Yeah. <laughs> and that's essentially a standalone support session. You know, you don't need to commit to ongoing therapy to get that. Uh, this is just a really great way to get immediate support when you need it, regardless of where you are. 
For students who are interested in ongoing therapy, we are still doing individual and group therapy via Zoom. You do need to be located in Washington State for that due to state licensure laws. We can only practice within our state, makes sense. Um, so if, if folks are, are in the state, keep that in mind. We also have other opportunities for students to get support regardless of location, like our community check-ins, our meditation space, our yoga, uh, mindful self-compassion workshop series, the care packages. We also have a ton of self-help resources on our website. So if you go to counseling.ww and click on our resources tab, students can find a list of podcasts, videos, meditations, a bunch of, a bunch of really great things there that, that might be of help. Um, I also recently learned that students who have the university insurance can access free teletherapy through BetterHelp. So if you go to betterhelp.com, I believe that is the website, students can sign up. And so that might be a great option if students are looking for a therapist but are located out of state, you can still access support. So I think this is a great example of how technology has risen to the occasion. Thank you so much for that information. I know, Cicelina, that you um, need to go, and I'm going to ask one more follow-up question okay. uh, to Sarah before we um, finish today. But thank you so much for joining us. And, thank you. I had a great time. Um, any last final words before Always you take Always a pleasure. Us? Yeah. So I, I think that my, my parting words to students will be, um, I'll keep the theme of radical self-love and radical self-care. Take care mm -hmm. of yourself. Pay attention check in with your body. Mm -hmm. um, if you're into meditation, slow down, meditate. Um, if you're not into meditation, slow down and be quiet. Um, <laughs> just find a way to ground yourself um, because, and, and I mean grounding in, in the almost literal sense of the word, because there is so much in our world now that is uncertain. Mm -hmm. Touch your heart, touch your belly, and know that you're okay right now. Peace, everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Cicelina. Have a wonderful Alrighty. day. You too. Thank you to Dr. Cicelina Ledbetter for joining us today. Um, and we will continue our conversation with Dr. Sarah Godoy right after this quick message from our services. AdCast is a confidential and non-judgmental service for students who want to talk about issues regarding alcohol or other substances. Whether your concern is for yourself, a roommate, or someone you care about, we can help. AdCast services are free, and we are currently offering phone and Zoom appointments, as well as an online substance abuse support group. Call 360-650-6865, that is 360-650-6865, or 360-650-3642, that's 360-650-3642, to leave a voicemail and get connected to a risk reduction specialist or check out the AdGuest tab on the PWS website for more information and resources. So Sarah, I wanna ask one uh, follow-up question before we wrap up today. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you were talking about students getting connected with some of the Counseling Center services and um, I wanna acknowledge we're not getting to all of the student questions that were submitted to us today. And I, I'm thinking maybe, maybe we could do something fun like, a, like an Instagram live on our Be Well site where we could ask I'm you so more down. of these questions. Yes. That's, a, that's an idea, not a promise, but I think I would really enjoy doing something like that. 
Um, so I'm going to ask you, one of the questions that was submitted was that um, some folks feel that the Counseling Center at Western has failed them. Um, this question was submitted by Genevieve, a psychology major. And um, Genevieve asks, how are you working to make our Counseling Center more accessible, reliable, and open to all students? Yeah, that's a really important question, and I'm I'm really glad that Genevieve asked it. Also, great major psychology. Have to <laughs> highlight that. <laughs> um, I I think it's really important to to understand how we've fallen short. So coming into this position, and again, I'm a total newbie to Western, um, but I did my homework, <laughs> and coming into this role, I knew that one of the major challenges that students had was being able to access services in a timely manner. Um, and another major challenge in being able to continue with services. And I think there was a bit of a reputation that it's really hard to get in. And even if you do, you're just gonna be referred off campus. Um, to me, that's not collegiate mental health. To me, that is a referral service. And no one wants that. <laughs> no, one, no one wants to have a university mm -hmm. referral service. You know, we're supposed to be a mental health center. Yeah. So something that we have definitely already adjusted for this, for this uh, quarter is the phone consultations where there's no longer a wait to get connected to someone. Just give us a call and we can chat with you regardless of where you are located. Mm -hmm. um, and Moving forward, part of re-envisioning the entire approach to mental health and wellness, again, means infusing this into many different university spaces and looking at expanding our definition of healing. So things that are on my wish list, and some of these have not been finalized, but it's my wish list, so I'm going to name them. <laughs> But I would love to have more partnerships with other offices on campus where maybe mm -hmm. students don't necessarily feel comfortable coming to the counseling center, but they're totally okay chatting with the counselor in a different kind of space, in a different kind of context that maybe feels a little less evaluative and formal. Mm -hmm. So let's increase those partnerships. Let's be more active and visible on campus. That's really important to me. That is a value that I hold. As someone who is working in higher ed, we need to be part of the community more. Mm -hmm. We also need to expand how we're defining healing because I, I think for a lot of students, this very white, potentially pathologizing model of mental health is not a good fit. And frankly, it shouldn't be a good fit because that can be a really frightening model um, that mm -hmm. is linked to a lot of historical oppression. So we need to redefine what mental health services look like. And that might be um, using practices like talking circles, emotional emancipation circles, um, connecting more to the natural environment, and making sure that we have staff who are qualified to do some of those things. Mm -hmm. I am not interested in being a center 
that takes different cultural practices and has a bunch of white clinicians do those things, that would be entirely mm -hmm. inappropriate. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to go back to one of the items of hiring more visibly diverse staff, I'm hoping that as we do that, we can expand the specific services that might appeal to students who have otherwise been turned off by, mm -hmm. by what we're offering. Mm -hmm. So this is a definite work in progress, but again, I'm, I'm so open to feedback. I, I have read the, the student requests, I've read the various letters that have been circulated over the years. And to me, that's my to-do list. That is exactly what we need to be hitting. No excuses. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I appreciate okay. your energy, your commitment. Um, appreciate getting to know you better and having yeah. this opportunity to just, yeah, listen to you and, and share this space together. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, thanks again so much. And we're going to wrap up. Um, want all our listeners to go follow our Instagram at BeWellWW and visit the Counseling Center website. Can you remind us what it again is again? Counseling.www.edu. You got it. Um, and I guess we're just wishing everyone wellness. Oh, I have a question for you. What's your, what's your piece of advice for our students, Sarah, before we log off today? Do you have some advice for our young, amazing, rising and shining stars? I have so much advice. <laughs> I hardly know where to begin. <laughs> I, I think a core piece of advice is don't neglect the foundation. It sounds so simple when I'm having a conversation with a student around like, are you drinking water? Mm -hmm. Have you eaten a vegetable? or a source of protein in the past week. Yeah. Are you sleeping? How much time are you spending on screens? And that one's really hard these days because mm -hmm. we're all spending way more time, time on screens than, than we have in the past. Um, there are some very core basic pieces to wellness that go out the window when we're stressed. And I think we would all feel a lot better if we took a couple steps back and just looked at the basics. Like, yeah. Have I, have I hydrated? Have I nourished my body? Have I gotten movement? Have I talked to a human being today? Mm -hmm. Pets are great. Um, they don't generally speak back to us though. So we probably need to connect with, <laughs> with another human. <laughs> Not all of us are looking for feedback. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's... Don't, don't skimp on, on, on the basics. Mm -hmm. We need that in order to, to really build upon that. Yeah. Great. Well, thank Great you so much again for your time and your energy. Brandon, any final closing thoughts? Uh, no, this has been great. Thank you so, so much, fun. Sarah. It's been really good to um, get you on here. And I'm sure, you know, we'll have you back as uh, this fluid state of our world and institution uh, will continue to change. And so mm -hmm. we'll probably need to continue to have these conversations. So we're getting the messaging out to students. And um, the one thing I'm kind of thinking about this year is I was in a session last week or maybe two weeks ago um, with Dr. Crystal Fleming. And you, you've all probably heard me say this before, but she talked about um, hope as a discipline. And so I know we've been through a lot over the last, you know, already six months now. Um, mm -hmm. But really trying to remind myself that um, if we do want to see the change and enact the change that we believe we deserve, um, then we can't lose hope. And so how do we practice hope as, as a discipline and mm -hmm. make sure that we keep it a part of our everyday life? Um, so that way, 
you know, we do see the change um, that we want to see. So. Absolutely. You know, I heard um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on her, on an Instagram live said um, like that same thing or just that same idea. And um, it really hit me too, Brennan, that that's, yeah, it's, it's, I think we talk about hope as like this thing that's out there. Like, how do you get hope? How do you maintain hope? And um, yeah, to think about it as a discipline that we practice, that we have to actively notice when we're losing hope and how do we cultivate that through those different practices. Thank you so much for that reminder. I love it um, so much. I'm not, yeah, I'm not always doing that. So. Yeah. Well, and it's good to just say it. It's just, it just say it, right? Like I, yeah. I just, even just saying it's like, okay, I need to remind myself that um, regardless of what we've been through, mm-hmm. um, you know, as somebody who's, who's experienced a, a few, you know, traumatic events in my life at a young yeah. age, um, yeah. the one thing I've, I've always learned that stuck with me is that, and the unfortunate part is life goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, the world doesn't stop. And so um, obviously, you know, our institution is moving forward. And so how do we continue to um, find that hope and, and keep that social connection? I know we got a cute little name with the social distance warriors, but we actually encourage um, social connection. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, yes, right. Discourage physical connections yes. a little bit uh, <laughs> during this time. But, um, and so, yeah, just trying to remind ourselves that, um, you know, we deserve the best. And so how do we continue to work to do that every day? Um, I think mm-hmm. it's very important. And um, you know, Sarah and Cicelina both touched on that in various ways of just staying grounded and, you know, reminding yourselves that, that we deserve um, the best for ourselves. So yes. that, that makes me think, Brandon, of the act of choosing hope can be a way of saying, I validate my self-worth, you know, that I, I know I deserve more. I know I deserve to heal. And so mm-hmm. I choose hope because that is an act of empowerment for mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a bit of radical self-care in there too. I love that. And we there's research around that too, yeah. right? I mean, there's like absolute hard evidence that people who maintain that hope discipline have better outcomes in their life in terms of reporting happiness and yeah. success in their careers and other things. If you believe you can get somewhere, you're going to be more likely to get there, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Let's I think whole episode I was about hope. to say it. I think we just have another podcast called Yes, <laughs> the Hope Discipline. I love it. Mm-hmm. No, All right. Well, that. thanks again, everybody, and uh, be well out there, Vikings. We Thank miss you. you. See y'all. Thank you. Bye.